Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. I have a big metaphorical pile of questions from listeners in which the answers are too short to be a whole podcast segment. So today I'm going to string them together into a bunch of quick hits. First is Pete. Hi, Mignon. Uh, this is Pete from Downingtown, Pennsylvania. And uh, I have this one particular podcast that I enjoy listening to regularly. And at the start of every episode, the podcaster says, we talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Now, to my ear, uh, the way that's said suggests that the stuff that preceded the cool stuff is not itself cool, which we all know is completely incorrect. I'm wondering uh, about the difference between the way you say it and perhaps and other cool stuff, if that uh, makes a difference. It's not so much a grammar question as it is just a, a the way things sound to me uh, kind of question. So just wanted to hear your opinion. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. You are not the only person who's made this observation. And I have to say that when I was trying to think of a catch-all phrase for the other things we talk about, it was so obvious to me that writing history and rules are cool that it never occurred to me that adding and cool stuff to the end would imply that they aren't. But I can completely see how it could be interpreted that way. It's a little bit like a joke format I love that uses implications. They're like, the existence of popcorn implies the existence of momcorn, and the existence of badminton implies the existence of goodminton. I guess the inclusion of cool stuff implies the rest is not cool, and I guess I should change the opening. Thanks. Hi, Grammar Girl. This is Carrie Ann from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm currently binging Seinfeld for the first time ever, and in season three, episode 19, Jerry witnesses a hit and run. When Elaine urges him to follow the perpetrator, he insists it's not safe, and she responds, what are you, yellow? To which Jerry takes offense and says, I'm not yellow. And Elaine pushes more, saying, Jerry, if you don't follow him, you're yellow. Which led me to wonder how such a bright, sunny color got the reputation of insinuating cowardice. And then I found myself down a colorful rabbit hole, wondering how blue came to mean sad and green came to mean envious. Can you help me out with this color conundrum? Thanks for all your quick and dirty tips. Bye. 
Tying the color green to jealousy definitely predates Shakespeare, who referred to the green-eyed monster in Othello and green-eyed jealousy in The Merchant of Venice. But one source says the idea goes all the way back to the ancient Greeks, who thought that if you were sick, your body would produce too much bile, making you look green. Alternatively, Edam Online says that green may be tied to the idea of inconstancy, being fickle, because the color green you find in nature, like in leaves or grasses, changes or fades, maybe like a lover's affection fading, which can then lead to jealousy. I don't have as much information about blue, meaning sad, but I can tell you it goes all the way back to 1385 and Chaucer, so people have been blue for a long time. Yellow, meaning cowardly, is much newer, though. The first example in the Oxford English Dictionary is from the Boston Evening Gazette from 1856. And according to Vocabulary.com, the earliest yellow term meaning cowardly was yellow-bellied, after birds that literally have a yellow belly like the yellow-bellied sapsucker. I imagine they're easily frightened? On the other hand, Edam Online also starts from yellow-bellied and then goes to yellow, but suggests it was a slur based on race or the color of military uniforms. The OED says yellow has been associated with treachery since the Middle Ages. For example, Judas Iscariot, who's said to have betrayed Christ, is often shown in medieval art wearing yellow or having a yellow beard. But they say that the origin of yellow meaning cowardly is American and unknown. So those are some possibilities, but I'm really not sure about the true origin for that one. Thanks for the question. Good morning. It's November 15th. In this morning's Globe and Mail, there's a headline, Presently, comma, federal prison staff can place a prisoner in a cell, dot, dot, dot. Uh, they mean at present. I always thought presently meant in the near future. I wonder if that's a, a pair of terms that you might use for one of your columns. My name is Rod Ferguson. I'm calling from Ontario. Thanks, Rod. I found a couple of interesting usage notes about presently. The American Heritage Dictionary says that the meaning currently or at the present time was the original meaning going all the way back to the late 1300s. But then in the 1600s, it disappeared and people seemed to forget about it. And the in the near future meaning became the most accepted formal meaning. But now, people are using the currently meaning again. Or should I say, presently, people are using the currently meaning again. But usage experts don't love it. Only 63% of the American Heritage Dictionary's panel of language experts accepted that meaning in 2011, the last time they asked the question. But it's probably a losing battle. Garner's Modern English Usage calls it poor usage, but also says it's ubiquitous, especially in American English. Rod also asked about the word fulsome. I realize that uh, more and more people are using it in a positive way, but it would be good to keep its negative meaning. Well, we're going to turn to the American Heritage Dictionary and Garner's Modern English Usage for this one, too. Both say that fulsome should be a negative term that means excessive, but that, as you noticed, people now often use it to mean just excessively full or copious. Garner also says this one is ubiquitous and is probably a skunked term, meaning no matter how you use it, someone's going to think it's wrong. 
But the American Heritage Dictionary Usage Panel is much less accepting of this new use of fulsome than they are of presently, coming in at only 21% accepting fulsome to mean full or copious. So maybe you can hold out a tiny bit of hope for this one, at least for a while. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules? only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hello. Listen, I'm hearing the word anyways, you know, the plural of anyway. A lot lately, including on podcasts, and it's really bugging me. Why is this happening so much more frequently or so it seems? Thanks. Thanks. I have been noticing this for years, and it kind of bugs me too. I thought it was new, or at least new-ish, because I don't remember anyone saying it when I was growing up. But you know, I always look things up, and I was surprised to find that it's actually quite old. The Oxford English Dictionary has examples going all the way back to 1828, and Charles Dickens used it in his book, Our Mutual Friend. A character named Miss Pleasant, responding to a story about a sailor being attacked and his attackers punished, says, Anyways, I'm glad punishment followed, and I say so. So that was in dialogue and has a very colloquial sound, just like you might hear it used today. The OED also describes the word as chiefly North American, and both the OED and Merriam-Webster suggest it's related to the archaic word any wise that meant the same thing, 
But I do doubt that people who use anyways today are making any kind of connection to any whys. But even though it's old, it's definitely becoming more common. When I search Google Books, I see a big increase in the use of anyways starting around the year 2000. And when I search the corpus of contemporary American English, which covers many more types of sources than Google Books, I see a gradual increase from 1990 onward, which is as far back as that corpus goes. The corpus of contemporary American English breaks it down more, and as you might expect, anyways is a lot more common in words spoken in TV and movies, on the web, and in blog posts, and is a lot less common in magazine, news, and academic writing. So I don't know why people are saying it more often. Sometimes I wonder if a famous person started using it and a lot of people heard it. But no matter why it's happening, you aren't imagining it. Hi, Grammar Girl. I'm such a fan. Uh, My name's Carter, and I'm in New Hampshire. And I feel like I should know this one because I know a few grammar things, but there's so much to know. Anyway, my question is, I don't know whether to use the word afterward or afterwards with an S. And my sentence was, yes, I helped out with that, but I didn't feel very good afterward or afterwards. I'm leaning towards adding the S. Anyway, if you can shed some light on that, that'd be great. Thanks so much. I love what you do. Take care. You're right. There is so much to know. And this is an interesting one because almost every source I checked said the two words are essentially interchangeable. There doesn't seem to be a strong feeling about one being right or wrong, which is kind of unusual when there are two forms of a word. The only difference I could find is that some sources say you don't hear afterward as much in British English as in American English. Brian Garner says that American editors prefer afterward, but I'm really getting the sense that you can use whichever one you like, even in American English. Thanks, Carter. Hi, Grammar Girl, and thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. When you are typing a list of bullet points, in other words, please do this. And then there are bullet points. At the end of each sentence for each bullet point, do you need to put a period? I never put a period at the end of a sentence unless there's a second sentence for the, or multiple sentences for that bullet point. And now I'm wondering if that's correct or not. Thank you. For this one, it's a style choice. So it completely depends on which style guide you follow. For example, in associated press style, you put a period or other terminal punctuation mark after every item, whether it's a complete sentence or not. But if you follow the Chicago Manual of Style, then you only put a period at the end of a list item if it's a complete sentence. Thanks for the question. Hi. I was wondering why people struggle so much with there, there, and there. I don't get it. I really don't. That's all. Thanks. Bye. Well, people always struggle with words that sound the same or similar but are spelled differently. It's a huge category of common errors, affect-effect, homed in on something, honed in on something, for example. But I actually have a hunch about why people seem to especially struggle with the possessive pronouns their, its, your, and so on. I believe it's because we're taught as kids that apostrophes indicate a possessive, 
But that's only true for nouns. These other words are pronouns, and pronouns get their own new spelling to become possessive. But then, the fact that all these pronouns have words, contractions, like there for they are, that sound the same and use apostrophes, which people associate with being possessive, especially confuses people. That's my hunch. And finally today, I'll end with some great Santa backs some of you shared on social media. If you missed last week's show, a Santa back is a word or phrase that has an ambiguous meaning because an apostrophe could be interpreted two different ways. Like in this one from Brian Mansfield, Taylor Swift's single. Are we referring to her new song, or are we saying Taylor Swift is without a significant other? You could read it either way. It's a Santa bag. And a couple of people suggested the World's Fair, which could refer to the event or be a statement that the world is fair. And then I wondered if we're still having World's Fairs. Well, it turns out the name World's Fair was retired in 1967 in favor of World Expo. So now we have World Expos, and I believe the next one is scheduled for 2025 in Osaka, Japan. As for the Santa backs, thanks, and keep them coming. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sims, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis, and our assistant manager is Emily Miller. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin, who's looking forward to learning West Coast swing dancing this winter. That's all. Happy New Year, and thanks for listening. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.